Thanks for listening to the Refuel Podcast. Be sure to tune in every Thursday for a new episode. Turn in your Bible to Matthew chapter 7. And as you're turning there, how, have you ever played the game? It's not really a game, but it's a conversation, the whole would you rather thing. You remember, so maybe when you were younger, maybe you still do, come up with these really elaborate would you rathers. Does anybody have any good would you rathers? Just off the top of your head. Miles? Would you rather long sleeves and shorts or pants and short sleeves? Oh yeah, that's a good one. Pants and, sh- sh- pants and long short sleeves or long sleeves and shorts. Ben has Ben? Would you rather dry your thumbnail off with a fork? Oh, goodness. Oh, wow. Oh. Okay. One more. We're going to go to Gabe. Would, would you rather get bitten by a live burning tarantula or eat the thing? Oh, would you rather get bit by a tarantula or eat it? That's, oh, I don't know. I feel like either way is a brush with death. So I put together a few, maybe not as extreme as some of yours, uh, that you're going to vote on. The first would you rather is would you rather have telekinesis, which is the ability to, to, uh, to move things with your mind, or telepathy to uh, read things with your mind, to read minds. So how many of y'all would like to be able to move things with your mind? How many would choose to read minds? Okay, I see which one of y'all are the snoops. All right, would you rather give up air conditioning and heating for the rest of your life or internet for the rest of your life? How many of y'all will give up um, air conditioning and heating? You want your Wi-Fi. How many will give up Wi-Fi because you won't be comfortable? Okay, wow, that's about 50-50. That's surprising. Would you rather wear the same socks for a month or the same pair of underwear for a week? How many of y'all saying socks? How many of y'all going for the whitey tighties? Only a few of you. Okay. Uh, would you rather your life have a pause button or a rewind button? How many of y'all say pause? pause. How many of y'all say rewind? Pause. Okay, yeah. You're the same ones that have the bad ex-boyfriends. All right. Next one. Would you rather talk like Yoda or breathe like Darth Vader for the rest of your life? How many of y'all are going for Yoda? You going for Yoda? How many of y'all want to breathe like Darth Vader? Okay. I see the evil ones there. Would you rather um, be insulted by Gordon Ramsay for 10 seconds or receive unlimited text messages from Donald Trump for 10 days? How many of y'all say, give me Ramsay for 10 seconds? How many of y'all are ready to deal with Donald Trump for 10 days? Oh, goodness. I think I'd go with Ramsay. Here's the next one. Would you rather... Would you rather fart every time you laugh or burp every time you cry? How many of y'all are going for fart when you laugh? Some of you already do that, okay. How many of y'all would rather burp every time you cry? Yeah, that's the, that's the, that's the safe, safe answer. Next question, would you rather be able to fly or be able to breathe underwater? Who wants to, who wants to fly? Okay, then where's my mermaids at? Where are my mermaids? My mermen, okay. Okay, some of you, I should have given, April needs a trigger warning for this one. Would you rather let a spider crawl, cr- climb over you or let a snake slither across you? How many of y'all say give me the spider? How many of y'all say give me the snake? You have to choose. Wow. Okay, and this is one of my favorites. Um, I, I actually, there, there's a whole summer I asked people this one, and here it is. Would you rather fight 100 duck-sized horses or one horse-sized duck? Think about it. Would you rather fight 100 duck-sized horses or one 
horse-sized duck. How many of y'all say, give me the hundred duck-sized horses? How many of y'all are ready to take on the horse-sized duck? Okay. Imagine, imagine the beak on that horse-sized duck. That, I'm, I'm staying away from it. So, now that we've gone through some would-you-rathers, I promise there's a point to this, and there is a reason to this. And here is the point, and here is the reason. We're wrapping up the greatest sermon ever. We call, that, we call it the greatest sermon ever for this reason. It was a sermon that was preached by Jesus, God in a body. And during this greatest sermon ever, we talked about eight different things. We talked about the Beatitudes. Blessed, 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 blessed. You're the salt of the life. You know, you're, the, you're, the, you're the salt of the earth. You, then we talked about Jesus claimed, he said, I didn't come to abolish the law. I came to fulfill the law. And we talked about the issue of anger. Some of you should have been here for that one. Then the next time, next week we talked about lust. And that was a hard-hitting issue that Jesus dealt with. Then if you're, some of you remember, Hunter came and he, he, he spoke on Jesus speaking on integrity. The fifth week we talked about loving salty people because Jesus talked about that in his sermon. And Jesus talked about hypocrisy in his sermon. People who were hypocritical when they pray, hypocritical when they give money to, 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 to the poor, hypocritical when they fast. And the whole point was don't be a hypocrite. Be the same person inside as you are out. The next week we talked about anxiety. And Jesus spoke very clear and specifically about anxiety. And then last week, Jesus started to begin to wrap up his sermon by talking about judging. Remember, Jesus talked about the, the plank in the eye versus the speck in the eye. Well, tonight, Jesus wraps the sermon up in what I call the invitation of the sermon. Maybe, yeah, all of us, yeah, some of you have grown up in different kind of church traditions maybe, but yeah, I grew up here at Lewis Memorial, and from time to time, we would have something called an invitation where Pastor Lemming would say something to the effect of, and maybe you're familiar with it, every head bowed and every eye closed, and you have the opportunity to make a decision based on what you've heard from God's Word. And Jesus was maybe the first one to give a sermon with an invitation because tonight you're going to see the invitation that Jesus gives uh, this crowd. And just like, here's the tie-in to the would-you-rathers. Just like, the, here's, here's the thing that's so difficult about the would-you-rathers. Many times you're given two options that you wouldn't choose on your own. And in the would-you-rather, you can't invent a third option, right? Because it's not the would-you-rather. And what Jesus does here is Jesus gives his, his audience, the, his hearers, two options. And just like the would-you-rather, we don't get to create a third option here. So as we're reading through Jesus' invitation, as he wraps this sermon up, remember that Jesus in, these, in this invitation gives us two choices, and we don't get to choose a third. And if we had to boil it all down to one sentence tonight, it would be this. What decision do you need to make tonight? So before we go any further, what I would like to do um, is have a, just, a, uh, just a moment of prayer and what I want you to do is bow your head and close your eyes. And I want you to ask, as I'm praying out loud, I want you to ask God to work on your heart and show you what decision you need to make tonight. So let's pray. God, we've had a lot of fun tonight. 
Um, there's been a lot of food. There's been a lot of just enjoying being together. And it's, it's nice to do this and have some relief from the stress that comes with the wrapping up of the school year. But God, I pray that tonight your word will just be above and beyond everything else that's happened. And that it will pierce our hearts. That it will convict us. But God, that you'll also show us how we can take that step that you're calling us to do, to make that decision decision that you're calling us to make. So God, I pray that you'll remove distractions. God, I pray that you, you will, through your words, speak clearly and speak loudly and speak with conviction. In Jesus' name, amen. So now we can turn to Matthew chapter 7. Uh, hopefully, after all that, you've found your place in Matthew chapter 7. And if you remember, Jesus is speaking on a hillside. I like to think that it's a beautiful like spring day, like today. And on this hillside, everybody has, has come and is standing in front of Jesus. And Jesus sits down to teach because that's what Jewish people in a position speaking authoritatively did back then. So Jesus sat down and taught and everybody came near and listened to what he had to say. And we've, we've gone through all the things that Jesus had talked about and that Jesus had mentioned. Things like lust and anger and hypocrisy. What Jesus says here in Matthew chapter 7, starting in verse 7, he wraps up his sermon by saying this, Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you'll find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. And everyone who seeks, finds. And everyone who knocks, it will be opened. Which one of you, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? And if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then who are evil... And know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more will your Father in heaven give good things to those who ask him? You may have heard verse 12. It says, so whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also for them. For this is the law and the prophets. Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter it are many. For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life. And those who find it are few. Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but are inwardly ravenous wolves. You'll recognize them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes and figs from thistles? So every healthy tree bears good fruit, and every diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, you'll recognize them by their fruits. This is a pretty intense invitation, isn't it? Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do mighty works in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them is like a wise man who builds his house on a rock. It kind of sounds like the song we sang. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall. Why? Because it was founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell and great was the fall of it. Pretty intense invitation. So we're going to kind of divide what we read into two sections. The first section is Jesus' conclusion or his final point. If you've ever taken a speech class, you've been told, save your best for the end. Like have, have like one quote or one thing to wow your audience before you leave. If you ever had to take a speech class and give a speech in front of the class, it's like the worst. I always got nervous when I had to do that. It was like a code brown every time. You know, um, Jesus gives his final point. 
And if you've been with us that all week, yeah, all these past few weeks, you know this sermon's pretty intense. Like Jesus sets the standard really high and really consistently. Like if you're angry at someone, it's the same as murdering them. If you look at someone lustfully, it's the same as committing immorality or adultery. So you see how high the standard is. And when you read Jesus' words here, you think, who in the world can keep this? Who in the world can satisfy these demands? This is probably the most encouraging part of the whole sermon Jesus gives. Why? For two reasons. The first is he gives this encouragement. He says, ask and it'll be given to you. Seek and you'll find. Knock and the door will be open to you. He says, ask and seek and knock. This is the good news. Jesus says that if you ask him, he'll give. If you seek him, you'll find him. If you knock, he'll open the door. Remember, there's a kid's song. It's like, when you ask, he cares. When you seek, he's there. When you knock, 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 God opens up the door. I don't know if those were the hand motions they did. I made them up. But it's, it's good news that even a kid can understand that if we feel overwhelmed by what's required of us, the good news is we can approach Jesus who kept the law and all the requirements and he'll help us and he'll be with us and he'll be there for us. The problem is most people, what we'll learn here in a minute, most people are asking the wrong people how to get through life. They're looking in the wrong places for fulfillment in life and they're knocking on the wrong doors of opportunity. The final point that Jesus gives is first to trust God. Ask, seek, knock. And the second part of that final point, trust God and love others. I put a picture here of this guy with road rage. How many of y'all, your parents aren't here so you can be honest. It probably sounds really bad. How many of y'all, your parents have a little bit of road rage? Like you see it happen. Like if, if, if my daughter was here, she would raise her hand too. Like, 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 like somebody cuts your dad off and he, 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 you, you don't really understand what he's saying. It's more of like, a, it's probably good you don't know what he's thinking in his mind, right? Um, the, the state of Kentucky, we don't have any Kentucky people here, right? The state of Kentucky in their learner's permit manual. How many of y'all remember West Virginia, Ohio, remember having to study that stupid learner's permit manual and taking that test that's like impossible to pass because they ask you questions about like Amish people and buggies and stuff that you'll never encounter in your life. Well, in the Kentucky DMV learner's manual, they say at the end of it, there's a, there's a paragraph at the end of it that say, all of these laws boil down to this. Treat the other drivers on the road as you would like to be treated. And what does Jesus say here? He says, whatever you wish others would do to you, do also for them, for this is the law and the prophets. All the way back in chapter five, Jesus said, I haven't come to abolish the law, I've come to fulfill the law. And then Jesus teaches on the law, all the rest of chapter five, all the rest of chapter six, into chapter seven, and he ends, he like bookends, like he finishes his teaching on the law by saying this, most of it can boil down to this. He actually says all of it can boil down to this. Treat others in the way you would have them treat you. Some people call it the golden rule. Maybe you've heard that before. I like to call it the golden vision or the golden principle because it's so much more than a rule. It's supposed to be a way of life for people who follow Jesus. And he's speaking to a crowd that was mostly looking out for themselves and they did not care about other people. So Jesus' final point is this. Trust God. Ask, seat, knock. Love others. 
And then he says, I don't think he necessarily said that because he's not recording as saying this, but he, something effective, every head bowed, every eye closed. Jesus brings them to a decision point now. So after the final point, Jesus gives an invitation. He invites them to make a decision. And the decision that Jesus is asking them to make, he uses object lessons. He uses visuals, which I'm so glad because I'm a visual guy too. Like how many of y'all like, like if somebody explains something to you, you just like, whoosh. but if somebody shows you on the board or if somebody demonstrates it for you, you can't, it, it, it clicks. Jesus was a visual person. He painted pictures with his words. And Jesus, bringing these people to a decision point, he asks them to make decisions on three issues. And he uses visuals. He uses examples. And the examples he uses are roads, trees, and houses. Roads, trees, and houses. Jesus talks about two roads. Jesus talks about two trees. And he talks about two houses. And those are the most important decisions, according to Jesus, that we'll ever make. So the first one, and I, this is the most important of the three, because it deals with your eternal life, is Jesus talks about two roads. He moves his hearers to make a decision about eternal life. What does Jesus say in verse number 13? He says, enter by the narrow gate. For the gate, and by the way, if you're not going to listen to anything else in the whole message tonight, this is the most important thing you'll ever hear. Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and easy that leads to destruction. Those who enter it are many, but the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life, and few find it. So what we see is the first road is the road to life. Jesus talks also about life, um, talking about this, that some will go away to eternal punishment. The righteous, though, will go to eternal life. Revelation chapter 21 explains a little bit about what this eternal life will involve at the end of our earthly lives. It talks about a place where all sorrow is gone. A place where we will dwell with God. God will dwell with us. We will dwell with him. That he'll wipe away all tears from our eyes. There'll be no more sorrow, no more sadness, no more death. And we will live with Jesus in joy and happiness forever. That's the destination of life. And everybody ends up at one of these two destinations. Jesus talks about it. There's a road that leads to life, but he also talks about there's a road that leads to destruction. Jesus talks a little bit about destruction. He talks about the people that go to this place of destruction. He describes it this way in Revelation 21.8. Their portion will be in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. Everybody wants to talk about Jesus and how loving he was. But how loving was Jesus? He was so loving that he made a way that people didn't have to go to a real, eternal, terrible place called hell. Some people say, well, I just don't want to believe that Jesus would speak on something like hell. Well, I have some receipts tonight. And these aren't receipts that I'm excited to share with you, but these are receipts I'm burdened to share with you. What did Jesus say about hell? He told people who didn't follow his way of righteousness in this sermon, back in chapter 5, that they would be liable to the hell of fire. In Matthew 23, Jesus is speaking to very religious people and he said this, you serpents, you brood of vipers, how are you going to escape from being sentenced to hell? In Matthew chapter 13, 
Jesus said, this is how it's going to be at the end of the age and end times. The angels will come down and separate the evil from the righteousness and throw the evil into a fire, the fiery furnace. It's a place where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Hell is going to be a place, and it is a place of fire and darkness. And then in Matthew 25, Jesus describes it as a place of never-ending punishment. We read this verse already. We're going to read it again now, thinking about this place of punishment. He said these, meaning the people who don't believe in Jesus, will go away to eternal punishment, but the righteous to eternal life. A lot of people make jokes about hell. A lot of people use hell as a swear word or as a way to express frustration. But hell is a real place that real people go to with real suffering that lasts forever. Is that fair? Well, we've learned that no one is righteous. None of us have good in us. That we've rebelled against God. And if heaven is a place where it's all good and all righteousness and all holiness, that's not a place that we can get into on our own. If hell is a place that is for punishment of sin and we are sinners that have rebelled against God that is a place that unless somebody is saved they will go that's pretty serious isn't it pretty serious invitation that Jesus gives the next truth that we see in this section about the two roads that Jesus gives is that the place you end up life or destruction is determined by what path you're on Jesus says that there is a path that leads to destruction and there is a path that leads to life. And here is the scary thing about the path that leads to destruction. Jesus says that it's an easy path, meaning it's one that most people would want to go on because at first it seems very simple and very easy. It's not mountainous, it's smooth. And it's very wide, meaning a lot of people can go down this road at the same time and a lot of people can find it. And here's the worst part. Many enter this path. And Jesus talks about the path of life. He talks about how it is narrow. Meaning not many people can get on at one time. It is difficult meaning it's hard for people to decide to enter that path. And once again, here's the part that's so, that's so serious. Very few find it. Very few find the path that leads to eternal life. So you may say, well, Matt, how, where is the on-ramp to this path? This is a path that we want to be on, a path that leads to life with happiness and joy with Jesus forever. When other portions of Scripture, Jesus explains how to get on that path. Jesus said in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life of it. No one goes to the Father. No one goes to eternal life except, Jesus speaking, except through me. He's the only way. He's the only on-ramp. Well, how do you get on that on-ramp? One of my 
favorite sections of Scripture is John chapter 3 because Jesus repeats this same term over and over and over because there's only one way to get to heaven and it's by believing. One of the most famous verses in the Bible is John 3, 16. God so loved the world that he gave his only son that what? Whoever believes in him will have eternal life. John chapter 14 continues, or John chapter 3 continues um, in verse number 18. It says, whoever believes in him, Jesus, is not condemned. But whoever does not believe in Jesus is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. You see the two roads? You see the two choices? Believe or not believe. That's the on-ramp. John chapter 3, continuing in verse 36, it reinforces what we learned. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life, but whoever does not obey the Son shall not see life. There are two roads. The question that I always ask is, if there are two roads and the one leads to eternal paradise, why is it that so few find this road? Why is it? Well, I think we can see in Scripture that Going back, not many people are asking, not many people are seeking, not many people are knocking. We're going to see here in a minute that there are false teachers. There are people that are, that, are, that are putting out there a false gospel, a false way to heaven, a false way of living life that is, not, that is not going to get you on that road. And then in verse 21, this is scary too. It says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. It says in verse 22, on that day, meaning the day of judgment, Many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? Did we not cast demons out in your name? Do mighty works in your name? And he'll declare to them, I never knew you. Why do so few find it? Because many people would rather trust their religion than trust Jesus. It's two roads. There it is as a decision that everybody has to make about where they're going to spend eternity. There's also two trees. And it's a decision that you have to make about the teachers in your life. And I'm not talking about, you know, you know, like your AP chem teacher. They assign that to you. I'm talking about the people that you invite into your life to speak truth into your life. Jesus says, beware of false prophets who come as wolves in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravenous wolves. And then he makes, he talks about the trees. He says, can you get grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Then he compares healthy trees. A healthy tree is going to make good fruit. A diseased tree is going to give you bad fruit. What Jesus is saying here is he's kind of taking a shot at the leaders of Israel. The people who had been teaching. Because they were hypocrites. They taught one thing and they lived another. They were more concerned about the outside than the inside. Do you see the danger here? Look at how they're described, these people who are false teachers, false prophets. First off, they're deceptive as they come in wolves and sheep's clothing. But he also says, beware that we should be very careful. So what does he say? You will recognize them by their fruits in verse 16. Verse 21, you will recognize them again, he says, by their fruits. How do we know who we should listen to? Who we should allow to speak into our life about truth? People that you can examine their lives and after you've looked at their lives, you realize that the inside matches the outside. There's some danger here because a lot of times we're attracted to people who have this perfect theology and who can explain things in the Bible very eloquently. We've got podcasts and we've got people that we listen to and we think, man, they're pretty good leaders. They're pretty good teachers. I wrote this down. People can have a detailed theology but a combative spirit. You know what I mean by that? 
they can know everything there's to know about the Bible, they can be turds. People can lead ministries on Sunday and get hammered on Friday. You will know them by their fruits. It's interesting that in 1 Timothy chapter 3, we're given the qualifications for pastors who are supposed to be teachers of God's word. There's only one skill that pastors are supposed to have that's able to teach. There are 12 attributes that they're supposed to have having to do with the way that they live their lives. This is all to say, who's speaking into your life? Jesus is asking you the question to do, who is speaking into your life? You know, the danger that we have is we can, we, can, we, can have, we can just load up our phone with podcasts. We can watch YouTube videos of our favorite, not just speakers, but you know, influencers. But Jesus says the influencers you should be listening to are the ones that you can examine their lives. And after you've examined their lives, you realize they're legit. So there's a decision Jesus calls people to make about the teachers in their life. And the final decision he calls us to is a decision about the foundation of our life. He uses two houses. I love that we got to sing this song tonight because it really explained in a very good way, in a very beautiful way, what Jesus is saying here. Look at the language Jesus uses in verse 24. There's some urgency here. Jesus understands, obviously because he's God, but he also communicates that this is an important issue. This isn't something you can just be like, meh. It's not mid. It's the most important issue. These three issues are so important because Jesus uses words like everyone who hears these words of mine. Jesus uses phrases like does them, does not do them. There are only two options. Jesus talks about building Builds his house on the rock. Builds his house on the house on the sand. I almost swore there. And as he's talking about that, he's saying, where are you building your life? It's interesting that both of the wise man who built his house on the rock and the foolish man who built his house on the sand, they both experienced floods and rain and winds and storms. That's because whether you're living for God or whether you're not living for God, you're going to experience flood, spiritual floods and rains and winds and storms. And some of you, this school year has been a flood, rain, wind, hail, tornado, hurricane, all mixed into one spiritual storm in your life. But here's the difference between the wise man who built his house on the rock and the foolish man who built his house on the sand. It's not that one experienced the storm and one didn't. It's that when the storm passed, one house was left standing. And Jesus is saying, you need to make a decision about what you're gonna build your life on. Are you gonna build it on my words or are you gonna build it on something else? There's a video I wanna show you and I'm probably gonna teach as this video is playing, but there were some houses um, in Utah and this is a very um, opu- uh, not opulent, it was a very, very rich area of Utah. It was close to a ski slope. And these houses were million dollar houses. They built them right there towards the edge of the mountains so they could have beautiful, breathtaking views. Million dollar houses. But what happened was they did not compact the dirt right. And five different houses in this neighborhood slowly fell off the face of the cliff. And I was thinking as I was watching the videos, 
when did we get, I had to kind of edit some of the curse words. Look at the top of the top. Uh, I was thinking, oh, think about all the parties that happened at these houses. Oh, Thinking about how proud these people were wow. when their house was constructed and how the husband and wife or whatever, whoever moved in this house, they took like these little selfies in front of the house saying, we built our first house together and they got all kinds of love and all kinds of lights. Everybody thought these people have it together. But their house was not built on a solid foundation. The question is, what is your foundation built on? We won't know until the rains come and the storms come. And that's what Jesus is asking. Will you build your life on me or will you build your life on you? Will you build your life on me or will you build your life all around some relationship that you're in right now? Will you build your life on me. You have to make a decision about the foundation of your life. So the question is, what decision do you need to make tonight? We've talked about two roads. We've talked about two trees. We've talked about two houses. Maybe you need to make a decision to trust in Jesus and Jesus alone for new life. You know, Hunter and I were going through the you know, when you go into refuel, you get checked in, you know, and if you're, it's for your first time here, we ask you to fill a card out so we get to know you a little bit. You realize that since the beginning of the school year, we've had 100 first-time guests come to refuel. It's a lot of people. And some of you, you started attending refuel at some point in the school year. And I hope and I believe that as you have been attending, you've heard one thing almost every week. And it's this, that you're saved by believing in Jesus. But here's the problem. A lot of people can come to church and go to good churches and understand that you're saved by believing in Jesus. But they do something that I call need to get a color here. They do something that I call Jesus plus. I'm trusting in Jesus and my church attendance. I'm trusting in Jesus and Mama's faith because she was a good woman. I'm trusting in Jesus and the fact that I was born in a Christian family. I trust in Jesus and the fact that I was baptized when I was a kid. I trust in Jesus and the mission trip I went on. The question is not do you believe in Jesus? The question is, do you trust in Jesus and Jesus alone to save you? I'm going to give you the, option, the opportunity here in just a minute. We're getting ready to leave. I'm going to give you the opportunity in a minute as we pray together to trust not in Jesus plus, but Jesus and Jesus alone. Maybe some of you, uh, you, you need to make the decision uh, to make your faith public and be baptized. Jesus said we're supposed to build our life on him. You can't build your life on Jesus if you don't put on a Team Jesus jersey. And one of the great things that we're celebrating at Refuel is that we've had many students put their faith in Jesus over the school year. The next step to unstick yourself spiritually is to obey Jesus in baptism. If you haven't been baptized, um, I want to ask you tonight, 
um, to go talk to April, and she's going she's gonna to schedule you. We've been given the opportunity um, here in a few weeks to do our, the, we've never done it before, uh, refuel baptisms. And we're going to have some people from the church coming, and we're going uh, we're, we're we're to get to do it as kind of a, as, as a refuel family, but we're going to have an opportunity uh, for people to follow Jesus in baptism. If you have not been baptized, and God's been working on your heart, I want you to, you all know who April is. Stand up, wave your hand. Stand up, stand up, stand up. There you go. Talk to April as you leave. The final question is, do you need to make a decision to offer God your future? Have you ever thought about what it might look like to dedicate your life to God? God's given you skills. God's given you abilities. God's done incredible things in your life. Storms are gonna come. But maybe when that storm comes, you'll be able to sing like our praise band sang. Rain came, wind blew. My house was built on you. I'm safe with you. I know you'll see me through because Christ is my firm foundation, the rock on which I stand. When everything around me's shaken, I've never been more glad that I put my faith in Jesus. So let's bow our heads and close our eyes. And Originally, I was gonna have Jude play a little music, but I just want some, let's just do quiet tonight. And before we dismiss in this moment, I wanna, I wanna ask you that question one more time. Has there ever been a time in your life where you've trusted in Jesus and Jesus alone? Do you know for sure that you're on the road that leads to eternal life and not on the road that leads to destruction? Maybe tonight you, you say, with nobody looking mad, I, I just, I don't know. I'm not sure. And Matt, I just want you, to, I want you to pray for me tonight. I want you to pray for me as I work through this because I want to put my faith and I want to put my trust in Jesus. Anybody here tonight struggling with your assurance of your salvation? Just put your hand up real quick. Nobody's looking around. Thank you. You can put them down. I want to give you the opportunity just real quick to make that real with Jesus tonight. Trust him and him alone for salvation. I can't trust Jesus for you. That's something you have to do on your own. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to recite a prayer that may be a good prayer for you to pray tonight. And it might be something that as I recite this prayer, you may want to make that your personal prayer to God tonight as you trust in him alone. Dear Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner and that there's nothing I can do to save myself. I believe that you died in my place for my sins on the cross and paid for all my sin. I make the decision to trust in you and you alone for eternal life. Thank you for saving me, Jesus. As our heads are bowed and eyes are closed, I want to extend another opportunity. Maybe you're here tonight and you say, Matt, I just, I've been struggling with being whether it's being called into ministry or just wanting to dedicate my life to God. As we're here in this silent moment tonight and as I close in prayer, what I want to encourage you to do is ask God to reveal in your life his calling. To put your yes on the table, to sign a blank check and give it to God and say, God, wherever, whenever, whatever you want me to do with my life, I'll do it because I want my house my life to be built on you as my foundation. 
So I'm gonna close this in prayer and we're gonna get out of here. Oh God, thank you tonight that you don't just bring us to a decision point and leave us hanging. You are the one we reach out to. You are the one we hold on to. God, I pray if there's someone here tonight that has never trusted in you and in you alone for salvation, God, that they, they did that tonight. If they have questions, that they'll come talk to someone tonight. Um, God, I pray for those, th- those in the room that know they need to be baptized. It's a matter of obedience to you and following you. God, that they'll go talk to April um, when this is over. And God, all of us, as we're thinking about what our life is built on, God, I pray that tonight we'll make the decision. We're gonna build our life on you. We're gonna build our life on your foundation because we trust that no matter what happens in life, you will keep us standing and you will hold us fast. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for listening to the Refuel podcast. If you have any questions or would like to review the notes from this podcast, be sure to download the Refuel app from the App Store on any mobile device.